0: guest we've got mike yam from the pac-12 network mike how's, you, how's your quarantine going
1: <laughs> isn't that be, isn't it weird like that's become the, the yeah. standard question to everyone yeah. how is quarantine life treating you uh look man I, i'm i'm so lucky uh, i'm healthy my family's healthy so that's obviously first and foremost and i um, happy about that. But I got to tell you, Zach, I cannot wait for whatever the new normal is, as long as it includes me being able to go out and not freak out about someone sneezing about 10 feet away from me. Sign me up for that, man. I, I am pulling hard for science and a vaccine to, to kind of get it going pretty quick here.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I saw, I, was at the, I went to the grocery store last week and they had everybody wait in line because they had like a 50 person uh, kind of, I guess, cap for let in. And everybody lived in line. They had the people at Instacart or and then they had the people who were shopping and they were doing a one in, one out. And all of a sudden, I see some guy walk out with a bag of groceries, and I'm like, what, the, what does he have on his face? And it was a dirty sock tied around his face as a protective. And I'm like, yeah. I can tell you the whole story. I understand exactly how this happened. He walked in with nothing. They said you need something. He took off his shoe and went like this. <laughs> so it's it's a wild world we're living in.
1: Uh, you Look, I get it. The protective gear is hard to come by. I, I think we can do better than taking off the dirty socks. Absolutely. And like what, I, I mean, to, let's be real here. If you're going dirty sock like that, that's not like your standard little ankle sock. Like he's going like knee high tube sock, you know, one of those kind of crazy ones. So uh, that can't be all that good. You know what it actually reminds me of on a lighter note? So Ronnie Lott was with us at Pac-12 Network, and he's been a, an unbelievable ambassador for for the league for years and years and years. But we got to do a lot of shows together. And at one point, Ronnie was wearing something. And we got our wardrobe room, and he goes, man, that actually would go great as a pocket square. And I'm thinking of my, and a lot of our guys just use my stuff just cause you know, i got a bunch of ties and you know, I don't take anything home. I just leave it at work. So next thing I know we get out onto the set and I, I just said to Ronnie, I'm like, Hey, just use whatever you want. It's not a big deal. Like, what's mine is yours. Just have at it. You know, it's not like my suits or my shirts are going to fit them, but you know, if there's a tie or a pocket yeah. square that will absolutely go, go have at it. Next thing I know, he took one of my socks. Cause I have like these funky socks and he used the sock as a pocket square.
0: So, <laughs> uh, better that than using that as, yeah. as protective face gear, but immediately reminded it's, me it's, of w- it. it's wild. It's wild. And then so you've been, I assume you've been watching the last dance cause there's nothing else on except for news.
1: Yeah. You know, what's been crazy about it, Zach, is, those promos were running for a while, pre COVID 19, quarantine, and all that stuff. I don't know about you, but every time it came on, literally would just stop in my tracks and just stare at the television, like I was, you know, a, a, you know, a three-year-old or a four-year-old watching Teletubbies or whatever is popular for, for kids nowadays, but just mesmerized by it. So I was completely jacked up for it. I've absolutely been glued to the television. I think they've done a tremendous job and um, it's kind of my heyday, you know, like I'm 38. So nineties NBA was something that I kept really close tabs on uh, for a good stretch of time. And even watching these last episodes, I grew up a Knicks fan. So to see, some of those moments was awesome, but knowing the end result of a couple of those playoff battles, not as much. Did you see the uh the Snippet Zach where they had Sue Bird talk about John Stark's dunk on Jordan? A
0: little bit like it was like a little it was like a commercial Both, kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. hundred yeah, percent. So
1: immediately like I gravitated towards that just because She's 100% right. Like, if you're a Knicks fan, you hold on to the Starks' dunk knowing what ended up happening in the rest of that uh, conference finals. But nonetheless, man, i been glued, and, and I'm sure you have as well.
0: What do you think of Bill Weddington's facial hair?
1: <laughs> uh, not for me. Uh I you look, I mean you can see I, I'm letting the uh, the playoff kind of shave. It's got the five o'clock shadow going. I got a, a show for pack full of network coming up, so I'll shave for that. But um I can appreciate the the facial hair, but I think Will Purdue, who's been a buddy, uh got it right. And that's just, you know, go the clean shaven route, man. There's there's nothing wrong with that.
0: Has there been anything that's really like caught you off guard that like either you didn't know or you're like, I can't believe this just happened or happened um, twenty years ago.
1: Yeah. You know what's wild about it? Um, I've been really lucky at Pac-12 Network. One of the the cool things that no one actually sees, because it doesn't make television, is whenever we do a road show, I get to go and talk to journalism students on all of our campuses. And it's one of my favorite things to do. But I think back, I went down to USC years ago, and I was talking to a group of uh, students that wanted to be sportscasters. And I dropped the name Sean Kemp. And I noticed that there was some blank stares. So as I'm talking, like, I think I went back and I just paused like 30 seconds. And I said, hold on. Like, I just said Sean Kemp and I see a lot of blank stares. Do you guys know who Sean Kemp is? And it was mostly no's. And I couldn't get over it. I was like, oh my God, like I got old. And I'm like, I get it. I haven't had a haircut in a while. And there's more white hair than I'd like to admit, but I couldn't get over it. And I said, look, you know, Sean Kemp is Blake Griffin, non-HD television years before Blake, like freak athlete, unbelievable dunker. Like I, I think the best in game dunker, uh, the NBA has ever seen. And I said, just YouTube it, whatever. So last night when I was watching last dance, I had forgotten that Sean Kemp made an all-star team as a member of the Cavs. Like I remember him not being oh, on the wow. Sonics and him going down to Cleveland and the whole thing. What I didn't remember was him actually being on that all-star squad, which was just kind of cool. But there's, there's been enough of those moments when you're watching, and you know like Rodman um you know taking a break like you just revisit like the mini vacation in the middle of the season like you revisit some of those moments which are always interesting but um always fascinated man I, my first television gig was was at NBA TV and that was you know post Michael and and you know that was early 2000 was like 2005 five, six, whatever it was and you know you just think about the impact, at least for me, that basketball had on me personally. And then in my career, it's just been, it's part of the reason why I'm a broadcaster, right? Because of NBA basketball and to see the style of play. Like I got to do a show years ago with Rick Mahorn on Sirius Radio, uh, now Sirius XM radio, and and Horn was awesome. But to hear him talk about the physicality of the game and knowing that he was like part of the original bad boys and the whole deal, you know, it was great. But then to see the footage again and just see how physical the game uh was back then and the evolution of the game, it's just a nice reminder that it wasn't all about threes. I mean you see, you know, Jordan in that one clip that they showed, I, I guess he had like five threes in the first half. Like, I mean, not for nothing. I mean, Steph Curry's probably done that, you know, a gazillion times. Like the game has just really evolved, and I, I do miss the physical. You know, Knicks fan, right? Like mid nineties, like I want to see dudes get beat up a little bit, right? Not not physically beat up, but you know, just that physicality of the game. Um, I, I miss that a little
0: bit. I think I, just, I saw a wild stat about the Knicks a while ago. It, it kind of stuck with me because I thought it was bizarre. Do you know who the last two Knicks, the last two Knicks, to re-sign after their rookie deals? That were drafted last. Two, by, that were drafted uh, by them.
1: God, uh, you, the way you framed it, it makes me think that it's not obvious, and I got to go a ways back. Um, God, uh, who got a second deal? Like, I'm just trying to think of some Nick. Draft, like, I don't think Channing Fry had got. Uh, no, yeah. What do, what, do, what do we got?
0: I think David Lee and Charlie Ward. Stop. Oh man. Yeah, that's yeah. It, and I saw something I saw the stat. It said the Knicks have had more Heisman Trophy winners than NBA champions in the last twenty five years. And I'm like, yeah, wow.
1: Do. I've heard that. Yeah. I've heard that one a couple of times. Yeah, to, to to revisit some of that stuff. So, you know, what's what's crazy about that is you know, Charlie Ward. I remember him being on those Knicks teams when I used to cover them when I was still in college. And yeah, I mean, great dude for sure. It just look. I'm still a Knicks fan. I still root for him. But my fandom dialed down a little bit it dialed down after working at nba tv for a bunch of the years that i was there and certainly when i was at espn because you you get you develop relationships with individuals so you start rooting for players and maybe a little bit less of the teams and certainly still root for for the knicks but when jeremy lynn wasn't kept in new york it it kind of soured me a little bit to the knicks so um you know i still pull for him but it's just not the same it's just not the same after that. I,
0: I remember the best Knicks team I've ever seen. I remember because the, the when they beat Boston, I think it was like, was yeah. that 2012? I want to say. Oh, I. Uh... I think it might have been just a smidge before yeah, that. But. Yeah, but like, it fantastic. I think it was Kid Mello, Stoudemire, before Mello got there, was like, he's just, he's just, he's, he's, I'm like, what are you trading for Mello for? Stoudemire's incredible. Yeah. Wilson Chandler gone, Gallinari Mozgov, gone. I'm like, what are you
1: doing? But that's, yeah, a- it's, uh, it's a rough deal. I mean, even Amari, just freak athlete. Like, I still remember when Marbury had gone to New York and, it's sort of like people think about this or they don't think about it as much because the Yankees have had so much success in New York. In my opinion, New York's still a basketball town. And I know the Giants have won a Super Bowl, and and the Yankees obviously have won, um, you know, some world series. Unfortunately, my Mets, I'm like a weird combo of Mets giants, but besides the point, the, uh, you know, the Mets haven't won and, and obviously the Nets have had some struggles over the years, but when the Knicks are good, New York's, New York's a basketball town and I remember when Marbury got traded there just how galvanizing that was for the entire city um, and it was awesome it was you know obviously they didn't the proof wasn't in the pudding and they didn't win but it did when Isaiah pulled the pulled the trigger on that deal it got the entire city to get fired up for that but i mean look the nets You know, early 2000s, right? You mentioned Jay Kidd, Richard Jefferson, those types of dudes. Like, those were – Kenny Martin, Jesus Christ. I mean, talk about a freak athlete. Um, You know, those were some really good basketball teams. And I think in some ways, too, now we're getting really far down the line here and probably way off topic. But I do remember the athleticism, you know, with RJ on the wing and Kenny and the things that those guys could do with – I'd argue Jason Kidd's probably top three or four-point guard in the history of the game. Wow. With him there. Look, I mean, even the year that he didn't win – MVP and Duncan did like I I thought Jay Kidd should have been the MVP that season but you know that's that was a little bit of a precursor for what we could what we would eventually see in terms of teams running up and down the floor like that those guys those guys were awesome Rod Thorne did an awesome job building that that roster just sure I mean you you run into Tim Duncan and and the Spurs no shame in that but um just a flashback watching the last dance man it's been it's been awesome and, and much needed to be honest with you, without live sports.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, it's been, I, I thought it was great. One, when they showed that whole thing with Rodman going to Vegas, I'm like, this is perfect. Yeah. This is perfect. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm like, there's no way he goes for 48 hours. There's zero chance. He's there. He's like back on, back on time.
1: Not for others, I, man. If you're gonna go party with with Carmen Electra in <laughs> Vegas, you're you're not going back to your day job either for 48 hours.
0: So. And she, and then and then that, and then when they were talking about Phil Jackson when he was like coaching like in Puerto Rico, and I'm like, wait a minute, we yeah, need we yeah. need something on this. Like the mayor shot a referee, and you just kind of just go on to the next subject. I'm like, oh, we need a little yeah. more background. That's wild. But in in terms of switching gears over to football. Um, So a lot of Pac-12 guys, you saw their names get called early on in the draft. uh, It's about a little over a week ago. Who, but what do you think that Justin Herbert is going to give to the Chargers?
1: Uh, I loved it. You know, I think what's abundantly clear, we've gotten to know Justin uh, the last couple of years, just a Pac-12 network and being on campus. I, I think what people forget is, the amount of coaching changes, right? I mean, three different head coaches wow. between Coach Helfrich, uh, Willie Taggart, and obviously Mario Cristobal. Talk about different identities that that offense had to uh, to undergo, and yet his ability to strive. I remember being on campus when Coach Helfrich was there, and you know we were doing a show, and they gave us, Oregon gave us three quarterbacks to talk to, and none of them were Justin Herbert. And then you just think about the progression that he's had in his time. And everyone knows the story grew up obviously going to the games and really close in Eugene to Johnson and and being able to be around that program. He was living his boyhood and childhood dream. And now all of a sudden to see it manifest into one of the top quarterbacks in the entire country to be drafted by the Chargers to stay out on the West coast to me is awesome. And I I think the other thing is people talk about, uh, and I've heard this as a knock, Two years ago, you know, Justin obviously had an opportunity and he he could have gone to the NFL two seasons ago and decided to go back for his senior year. And they were a four-win football team. And then a couple years later, they're winning the Pac-12 championship and winning a Rose Bowl. And I think to see his development was was really remarkable. Some of the throws that he was able to make. I saw one prominent, uh, you know, NFL uh, mock, you know, draft guy uh, out there two years ago, say, Hey, you know, Justin Herbert has got to improve his completion percentage. And in my mind, I just said to myself, like, you're not watching tape because there were so many drops. I think Oregon had it that junior season for Justin at like 52 drops or something oh. along those lines. And I mean, like, like just deliver. I mean, I hate, I hate when the ball hits your hands. Right. I mean, but it was like moments like that where if if there was maybe some more complimentary pieces that were that were, you know, at a higher level that season, that completion percentage would have been even higher. But the point is, I think it's a great fit, um, you know, down in Los Angeles for a guy like that who has shown that he can be a leader, despite what people are talking about, uh, you know, as this this guy that's not vocal. Um, you know, and I think that was a knock on him. Mark Helfrich, I remember him telling me this story. He said, There was a time Where when Justin was in practice, he said I would make Justin say something after every single play. The rule was Justin had to speak, and it could have been hey good job or hey you know nice catch or anything, but he had to be vocal because he was a little quiet. And I think you've seen the maturity of a guy like Justin Herbert over the years uh, continue to grow. And I I think at that position, Zach, and you know this because you've been a sports fan your whole life and around a lot of these guys, you know people always think about the quarterback as this rah-rah, you know, it's like when you're the best player on a basketball team, right? Like you're considered the leader when that's not always as accurate. And I think in Justin's case, he absolutely was the leader of that team's offense and just didn't get enough credit. I, I also think about him as a person. We do before PAC 12 media days, every Uh, July, we get, you know, the top 24 guys in the conference, they all head to Los Angeles and we do our shows there. And one of the cool things we do is media training with, with the players. And we just, you know, take them through, Hey, what to expect the next day and, um, how to answer questions, think about your brand, think about things that you want to convey and one of the exercises, one of my colleagues at PAC 12 network is, is Yogi Roth. And he does a great job. We all kind of um, section off different pieces and Yogi does this one exercise with them where he says, Hey, write down, you know, five things or seven things, whatever it is that, that you want in your life. I mean, it can be anything. And think about this. We've been doing this for a few years, Zach, right. and you can imagine, you know, you get the top 24 guys, top two players, offense and defense, generally speaking on a division one, power five roster, like the PAC 12, every single one of those guys is going to go make money NFL, you know, the the list goes on and on. And for Justin, his answer was so unique and so different. And it's always resonated with me. Um, his selections were, I want to be a great husband, a great father. Um, you know, of course I want to play in the NFL. I want to go, you know, I want to be able to fish, um, you know, in, in, in my retirement, like things like that. And, you know, I just think about the maturity that 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 he was able to display, and I'm so glad that he came back for that that senior season because I don't I I think he would have been behind the eight ball as I I would say for most quarterbacks that don't have that
0: extra year of college reps. And then especially look at you're you're kind of you're not rushing him into it. You got Tyra there who's been kind of like that fringe guy in multiple situations. He was there in Buffalo, sure. he was in Cleveland, and you also have a great offense around him. You're not he's not Tua in Miami who's I couldn't tell you who they, they got Devante Parker. He's still there, but you've got Eckler, you've got, uh, you've got Keenan Allen, Hunter, Henry, Mike Williams, and there's no, I don't think there's a rush. So I think it's a perfect situation.
1: Yeah. And, and like, I think the the point that you make is a really good one, right? Like it's great. And we've been talking about this cause you know, we do a podcast for PAC 12 network and, and we've had a lot of these guys on that have gotten drafted and it is awesome. Who doesn't want to hear their name called in the NFL draft? Of course you do. But I do think there's something to be said for being an undrafted free agent um, where you get a little bit more control on your landing spot. Like Anthony Gordon comes to mind. I was shocked that he wasn't drafted, but he ends up in Seattle to play for Pete Carroll potentially. Like there, there are these spots where I think fit sometimes is going to be more important for not only your, your career initially, but even long term. I mean, think about this, right? Like Josh Rosen a couple of years ago was considered you know, one of the best quarterbacks that you could you could draft. And now we're talking about multiple teams and I just think about fit and he just never really was able to latch on in a system or for coaches that maybe saw what he was able to do and put him in the spot to succeed. And I'd say the same thing to your point on, on Justin Herbert. And I think it's a really good one. He's not going to a franchise that is in complete disarray that needs him to be, Tom Brady 2.0 in season one, like he's going to be able to grow into that role a little bit. And I think that's going to be huge for his development.
0: And the one other guy I wanted to ask you about was Brandon, Brandon, I from Arizona state. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, I've never, I've never really, I don't really know much about this guy. And I'm like, wait a minute, San Fran is taking a receiver in the first round. What's going on with that? Well, and then they said he was their top guy on their board, but what, what's, what's, how come no one's heard of this guy?
1: Yeah. Freak athlete. And I think part of it has to do with the fact that Nikhil Harry was there the year before. Right. So another first round guides back to back years. ASU now has put a wide receiver into the first round in the NFL draft. And Harry was such this physical freak and a specimen that was out there that sometimes you don't always think about Brandon. I, I mean, Herm Edwards in that offense, uh, you know, did a did a great job making sure that their best playmakers had the ball in their hands. And two years ago, that was Nikhil Harry. Last year, in a lot of ways, it was a combination of Eno Benjamin, um, you know, who was obviously also drafted by by Arizona. But Eno was a game changer in that offense two years ago. And then last year, a lot of issues on the offensive line for ASU, really really young uh, O line, and some guys that got banged up and they were never really healthy for most of the season. But Brandon took a lot of pressure off of. Um, Jaden Daniels, who's their quarterback, and not to mention Eno, but there are things that Brandon Ayuk can do with the football when he's got an open space. And my lord, man, it is jaw dropping. If you would have told me, though, that Brandon Ayuk before the season would be drafted before LaVisca Chenault, I would have said, You're crazy. LaVisca was as much of a freak at that spot. I mean, I have Pac 12 network eight seasons. He is, and there's been some really talented wide receivers over the years that have been in. In this league, but Lavisca is at the top of the list for doing maybe collectively the most special things on the uh-huh. football field. And the way that they get him the football, uh, Coach Severini, who was calling plays for him last year, I mean, it was any way they could, they'd get him the football. So I, I'm I'm thrilled for him that he lands a spot. But getting back to Ayuk, um, I've seen him do some things. Uh, it, it's those. Tell you what, if you're a linebacker or you're a DB going up against San Francisco, I just think about the physical punishment you're going to get from the complement of skill that, that San Francisco is going to throw out there. Brandon Ayuk is a big boy, man, and, and I would not want to be in a position where i got to try to tackle that guy.
0: Wow, and there's, there's going to be a nightmare for opposing defenses this year because you saw what they yeah. did last year. Yeah. And then and then speaking of Chanel, I know because he slipped because of injury concerns. Do you like that fit? that He landed in Jacksonville, right? Jacksonville, yeah, yeah. He goes to the Jags there. I'm mean, Look, I,
1: I think any team that gets him is a complete steal.
0: I think Jer- Daniel Jeremiah, who
1: does a remarkable job for NFL Network, I think he's the best dude that's out there um, with that coverage. But I, I want to say a couple weeks before the draft, someone told me, I didn't see it firsthand, but I trust the person who told me said that, he thought Dan, uh, that Daniel Jeremiah thought LaVisca was the best athlete in the entire draft. Wow! I mean, at his size, his skill—just think about the things that he was able to do. Now, I know the injuries are a concern, but look—he well, had a turf toe injury two years ago that he suffered at USC. It was at that game, Colorado was five and zero at that point. They were the last undefeated team in the league when he gets hurt. There was conversations about Laviska for Heisman at the wide receiver. Wow. At that point. Um, He was working his way into that mix and then he gets hurt and then CU season kind of just, falls off a cliff and they, they lose out the rest of the year. And then last season, the dude gets hurt with a core injury. Like these are, this is not like these catastrophic recurring injuries to a knee or to a shoulder, like something that would give you reason to pause. He had a core injury that he had surgery on. I've worked with guys that have had that surgery that played in the NFL. And they said, look, he's going to be a hundred percent turf toe, kind of a fluke thing. But if you saw uh, Mel Tucker who took over, he was there for, for just one season, obviously left the program. At Colorado, to take over the Michigan State job, but Tucker had said, "Hey, after watching the film, I see why Laviska was dealing being banked up. I mean, they were trying to get him the ball constantly, and it made sense because of how great and talented he
0: is." And in Jacksonville, obviously Colorado, he's going to get all the attention. Is going to be going to him in Jacksonville. That's not going to be the case. You got DJ Chark. Oh, you got a couple other yeah. guys. He'll be able to maybe do a little bit more. And when there's not as much attention on him, maybe they can, he can really show. Maybe he was one of the steals of this draft.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. And, and I'll say this man, Jacksonville, I, I do. There's like this much concern that I have for Levisca because I do think he's got the potential of all the wide receivers taken this year. And there was a lot. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, that might've been the deepest you know, yeah. spot and, yeah. and maybe the most selections in terms of position. Um, maybe some of the big boys up front on the offensive line. I know a lot of those guys went, but the point is I would not be surprised if you would have said to me, or you're going to say to me, Hey, in five years, who's that one player. It's going to stand out from this class. know, LaVisca is going to be, at least for me on the short list. I do worry about that organization and where they're at right now. It seems like it's a little bit of a transition. Um, and that does concern me just in terms of his ability to produce.
0: Yeah. And then before I let you go. Yeah. What's your timeline when you think we're going to start seeing some games on TV that are played in this oh, country? Oh God, man! I wish it was yesterday at this point. Um, look, I think
1: from there's already conversations right with with baseball. We're talking about you know NASCAR and and uh, you know golf and the PGA and like there's opportunities there. But if you're going to ask me about football, look, I know the NFL just released a schedule. Everything is as planned. I hope to God that that is going to be the case because I think the one thing. And you're a sports fan and you've been a sports fan for your entire life. Man, it is, A, I think we all miss it right now. Even if you are a casual sports fan. I don't have to be a diehard like me and you to, to kind of you know want to see the games. I, I just, you know, it's not apples to apples and I don't mean to describe it this way. But I was in college um, at Fordham in New York City when 9-11 happened. And I remember being on campus and you could see the smoke uh, from towers and it just, it was, it's, you know, it's ingrained in your head. Like you just think about those moments and something you'll, I just, I know I'll never forget for the rest of my life. And then you, you fast forward and I think about Mike Piazza and a home run. And I just think like, that's the greatest home run I've ever seen. Like, I just remember going completely berserk as I was watching it. And I just think about the, the power of sport, right? Where it's able to unify, galvanize, and in a lot of ways, help heal. And I think right now, you're dealing with COVID-19. And, and every time I turn on the news, the death total, I CNN, and you see that, that, that sidebar that they have there, and it's approaching mm-hmm. 70,000 people who have passed away because of this virus. And I just think, my God, like, we are inundated with this coverage. And rightfully so, because this is a global pandemic that's affecting so many people, economies, businesses, people are out of work, searching for work. How do you pay your bills? Like This is huge. Um, but I do think all of us would really just appreciate and love, just give me a three-hour window where I can just just tune out for a little bit. Just I just want to cheer something. I want to see something positive out there. So as far as the timeline goes, man, I, I wish to God I could tell you, I do think that We will get some football this year, if I had to guess, and it's clearly just a guess. But the one thing that I will say is whenever it does come back, I do think it's going to look different. And I don't know if that just means no fans, selected sections can be kind of like, you know, blocked off, and you're just not gonna see those crowds. And I think the players are gonna have to go through daily testing. I say the same thing at the college level. Like if you don't see kids on campus. Four classes. I don't know how you ask a student athlete to go and practice. So I think step one on the college level is how do we make sure it's safe for the students on those campuses? Step two is how do we integrate sports back into it? I think it's daily testing. Um, and I think the the protocol and the procedures around it have to dramatically change. So that's the longest winded answer to your question, but, um, I guess the short answer is I hope really soon.
0: Yeah, absolutely, because sports, they give people like, – you kind of forget You forget what you're doing. You forget your life when you're watching. It just kind of gives you – it's like yeah. a di- different world. So basically, it's the same thing that's going on on Sundays with The Last Dance. For two hours a week, you can forget everything that's going on. Yeah. And, it, and yeah. it's just something that's – and especially the thing that really got me was the, the Alex Smith documentary the other night on ESPN. Even though you see how much he struggled with all the different infections and surgery, I think that even though – It's just a minor thing in terms of what's going on in the world. I think that inspires a lot of people that if this guy is going through this much right now, I think I can stay home and wait until everything's back to normal. And I think that's good. I think it kind of gives people a little bit of a distraction, but it also gives people hope.
1: Yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, that's the one thing for as much as we love those end a moment celebrations and the drama that comes with winning championships, crucial games, whatever the case may be. I do think one of the best things about sports is this ability that, that the game and all these games have to inspire people like you're talking about it's the stories within some of these guys the perseverance that these players have the grit um i was going back and forth with a buddy of mine about the top 10 i mean this is what it's come down to right like these text threads top 10 quarterbacks nfl history go you know and like we were making this case and um you know i threw steve young into the mix and we we're going back and forth on where i had him slotted and I said, you know, there's something to be said for the grit and the passion and his path, right? Like he wasn't, you know, this isn't the the dream scenario. It's not like being Justin Herbert, I'm forecasting here. You know, you, you first round pick, top 10 guy, you know, the face of a franchise, balls out and all of a sudden becomes, you know, like this goat for this franchise. Like, no, it wasn't like that, man. He was biting his lip and waiting his turn, sitting behind another historically, you know, arguably the best quarterback of all time yeah. in the Joe Montana. Like those are the stories that I think people sometimes need to be reminded of Because you can take what's happening in those games and then translate it into your own life. Like, I I think people who watch the Jordan, you know, I call it the Jordan doc, but The Last Dance, and you see this passion that he has to be great. Well, how many people, Zach, will tell you, oh, yeah, I want to be great too? Yeah, pretty much everyone says it. What's the percentage of people, though, that put in the work and are okay with? being a little bit of a, of a villain, you know, I'm not going to be the nicest guy in practice. I'm going to push you because if you don't do your job as well as I'm trying to do my job, we're not going to win. And I don't want anything less than 110%, 200% your max effort. And I think for me, it's a good reminder. That's why I love a lot of these stories and, and, you know, the things that sports teaches you growing up, you know, failure, it happens, man. It's okay. Like you got, you got to bounce back. Um, you know, I've had someone say this to me the other day. Hey, like champions, like they need to adjust, and and right now, specifically for what is going on, we all need to adjust what we're doing daily.
0: Absolutely. Well, I really wanted just to thank you again for coming on. Then, and yeah, and, man, for sure. And then, how can people find you on the social media?
1: Yeah, for sure, man. Um, at Mike underscore Yam, uh, the Twitter handle, Instagram, those are kind of the, the two platforms that I use most frequently. A lot of Pac-12 content, a lot of basketball content, just for the love of uh, of the NBA. And we try to have some fun and, you know, try to take people behind the scenes, especially on our studio shows, and the things that I'm working on. Um, we try to give them a little bit of that look. And then, of course, on Facebook, just just my Yam as well. So, uh, But awesome to talk to you, man. Hey, look, anytime I can, you know, at least see another human being, and I know we're not in person and it's via Zoom, but uh it's just nice to have that that connection with people because you, you know you're in a, i'm in an apartment that's 700 square feet here in in san francisco it's a little bit of a different deal i don't get to go to barry's and get my workouts
0: in so uh, and you know
1: get to talk a little sports
0: that's absolutely like awesome well, this has been awesome i just wanted to thank you again and stay safe yeah, out there and sure. talk to you soon yeah absolutely everyone yeah. wash your hands absolutely cure go get Purell.